A knave, a rascal, an eater of broken meats, a base, proud, shallow, beggarly, three-suited, hundred-pound, filthy-worsted stocking knave, a lily-livered, action-taking, horse, and glass-gazing, super-serviceable, finical rogue, one trunk-inheriting slave, one who would be a bond way of good service, and not nothing but the composition of a knave, beggar, coward, pander, and the son and heir of a mongrel bitch, one whom I'll beat into clamorous whining if thou deniest the least syllable of thy addition. And now you know your safe word, my love. Warning for underage listeners, this is an adult-oriented podcast. There will be frequent references to kink, sex, crude language, and various other grotesqueries. If you're under 18 and looking for answers and upfront advice about sex, please visit scarletteen.com. Also, for the dude bro listeners out there, this is nerdy shit. Go away. Welcome to Gotham Press Podcast. This is a verbal orgy about anything like the Grafenberg spot. The difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. The finer points of throwing a pair of floggers and just whatever the hell we find to talk about. That said, if you have a desire to learn these and many more kinktastic nergasms, stay tuned. Uh, thank you, uh, Professor? Is Professor Hansen. Professor Hansen. For having us today. Um, Thank you for being here. I'm personally honored to. Fun as always. So, our first question from the few note cards that I've gotten in, which is on all but one of them, okay, are, uh, have you ever faced discrimination based on your relationships? If so, please explain. Yes. Discrimination in poly looks like uh, being rejected from friends or family, being potentially fired from jobs, or having your children taken away from you from uh, child services, um, having uh, legal action taken against you because of the correlation, the, the horribly established correlation between polyamory and things like polygamy or polygyny or uh, these, these cults that run around entrapping people. That is not who we are. That is not what we're about. We are about consent. We're about informed consent. We're about having everybody in the relationships that we're in having the ability to walk away or join new relationships at any time. We're, we're not trying to trap or imprison people. That's really the biggest uh, stereotypes and uh, prejudices we find. It's similar to where whenever you see those majorly religious cults like the Christianity cults or different things like that, those do exist, they're bad, I feel terrible for those people, but that is not the whole. You don't look at those cults and base every single Christian you see on the street because of it. Um, but we do get based on that. You do hear about the cults like Manson, things like that. I have actually been told that when you hear the, they heard the word polyamory, they thought of Manson because he had multiple partners. That's not the same thing, but because it's there's so little information about our lifestyle, that's what we get linked to. I have not faced much personal discrimination because I've been very picky about who knows about my life. I have friends. All of my friends know about my life. My work does not. Many jobs, including mine, have a what's known as a morality clause. It means if they see you doing anything they deem immoral, they will fire you on the spot. So my job cannot know. My parents and a couple other select family members do know about my life. My grandparents and some other family members do not. So by learning about people first, I kind of know who I should and shouldn't tell about my life. So I kind of fight discrimination that way. 
Otherwise, I think the worst I get is when I'm walking down the street and I kiss my husband and kiss my girlfriend, I've gotten some weird looks and that's about it so far, luckily. Being that my relationships are currently all long distance, it's very easy to pass as normal. Um, so I haven't faced a lot of discrimination just because not a lot of people I pass it. <laughs> um, and so I haven't faced a lot of discrimination for that reason. Um, there's been times in the past where I've been with people and gotten the same sort of disapproving looks. Um, but hopefully someday I'll be in a position where I have to deal with that issue again. But right now it's, I have it easy in that regard. Um, from a business standpoint, I've had hotel chains refuse service when they found out it was a swingers club that was renting the whole place out. I've had personal friends tell me I needed to scrub my Facebook accounts because I used to run Sanctum at Heresy, which was an underground nightclub here in town. Per se, we met, what, once a month. Uh, was a lot of fun while it lasted. But I'm choosing a career path in academia, and I may be facing a student panel like yourself and faculty trying to get a position, and now she knows who I am. and so. There was concern for that, but I've taken the attitude that it's okay. I'm good with being out there and understanding that we all make different choices and lifestyles and, and so on. If I'm on your board for any reason, you solid. <laughs> yeah, I've you know, um, got a couple we over. Just got a convenient reminder solid. if people wouldn't mind silencing their phones. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know if I said that, but please silence your phone just because the, the equipment will pick it up. Okay, did everyone get a chance to answer that question? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have here, and um, this came across in a couple of students' questions. They say, what is something people don't realize about uh, the intensity, this is how they put it, of managing multiple partners at the same time? Multiple partners, it doesn't just make it multiple hard. It makes it exponentially hard. You've got one partner, or you've got yourself, and that's that's one. Uh, you've got your job, that's two. You've got a partner, one other partner, that's four. You've got a third, a second partner, that's 16. You've got another partner, that's uh, 128. Mm -hmm. it, it gets progressively more and more difficult with every partner you add to it because you're not having to consider just your time with one partner, your time with another partner, you're having to consider their time with their other partners too. You're having to consider your relationship with their other partners because this is, this is about informed consent. Everybody in my relationship, everybody in that line right there knows about all the other relationships that are uh, existing, that are potential, that there's even a, a desire to look, we all know. Let's, uh, let's put some context. Who has a best friend? Who has two best friends? And those two best friends are best friends, but you only want to tell one person something and you know it's going to get to the other. Now add three best friends. Think of polyamory is an extension of friendships into the relationship realm. But it gives context to what polyamory, it's the same as your social groups that you're dealing with, your friends and family, family relationships. 
you told your sister or your brother something and mom and dad weren't supposed to know. Well, we all know how that ended. It also depends on how well you do at communication. Um, there's a certain level of intensity that we have to deal with purely because of how much we have to communicate our own feelings and problems. Little things that in a monogamous relationship I think that you would let go, you cannot do in a polyamorous relationship. I was texting my girlfriend, I think on Saturday, and she was hanging out with friends. Not a big deal, but we were texting. And then all of a sudden she poofed. Normally in a monogamous relationship, that'd probably be something you'd just let go. Because if you start blowing up their phones or whatever it is, you're not seen as clean, needy, insecure, blah, 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 whatever. You know, whatever negative thing you want to put on that. I didn't blow up her phone, but I still had to bring it up that it hurt my feelings. Letting the little things go will then make the bigger things more difficult to talk about. And you can't do that. I have to be able to go and talk about the fact that I'm jealous and insecure, which I'm one of the most jealous and insecure people you're ever going to meet, which is crazy when you think about the fact that I'm poly, that I'm poly. But it's true. I have jealousy through the roof. Because of that, the level of communication that has to happen is much more intense than I've ever had in my life. I have to be able to talk about things. I have to tell you when that little thought pops in my head, which means every negative emotion that goes through my head, I have to tell both of my partners. I have to have that conversation twice. In general, vanilla, basic, monogamous relationships, you don't have to have that level. It's a little bit easier to kind of let some stuff go, vent to your best friend, kind of walk away from it, and let it go. That doesn't work in our lives. So it is a level of intensity you're not expecting. And now then, like Greedy said, then add the rest of life to that. You know, add work. Add your friends, add your family. I'm pregnant, I'm gonna have to add a child to all this here shortly. You know, it, adding these things in makes it a level of complicated and intense. I think it's worth it, but it's intense and complicated all at the same time. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Goddess. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish. I have a question. Will you be incorporating the girlfriend into the parenting skills? Good question. To a certain <laughs> level, yes. My relationship with her is a committed relationship. I expect it to keep going, which means that in the future, I fully expect that my child is going to know that I'm in a relationship with this person. Um, if it were more like a newer relationship or kind of think of it whenever you're a single mom, you know, it's that debate <laughs> of when do you introduce that boyfriend in? When do you introduce that girlfriend in? Some mom, you know, some single parents, they'll introduce their partners and kind of not in a big deal. Some people take that very seriously and will have to be with their partners for months before they introduce them to the kids. It's a very similar thing. You have to decide for yourself when you're ready for that. Um, because she'll be there from birth, again, I hope to have, be in a relationship with her for many years to come, she'll be there. We already know what the kid's going to call her, what we're going to refer to her as. We've already had that discussion because it's necessary. I had a previous partner who, I, who we broke up back in January. She was, also, she was actually going to be seen as another complete parent. Um, currently, my current partner is only going to be seen as like an aunt kind of situation. My ex was actually going to be a complete parent. She was going to be able to ground my child and everything like that. So the different relationships will be are just different. Um, but I was with my ex much, much longer than I've been with my current partner. So that has some changes to it as well. She'd be there at the birth? She'll Maybe. Probably, yeah, well, yeah. I'm still debating if I'm doing home birth or hospital birth, so uh, that's a whole complicated <laughs> thing. That's, that's a whole, whole other thing. Decision in <laughs> yeah, like, that's a whole yeah, we'll hear thing. about it next semester. <laughs> yeah, that's next, that's next semester's class, guys.
Um, and then you also have to consider that there's an infinite amount of time in the human heart, but there's a finite amount of time on the human calendar. And so you've got to make sometimes very tough decisions about who you're spending time with and when, whereas in a monogamous relationship, relationship time is only with one person, and so there's never a question of who gets it and when. There's a fun but word we, call, we have called polysaturated. It means that you are completely maxed out on the number of partners you have, the amount of time you have to give, and the amount of time you have for the rest of your life. Um, I fully believe that everyone has a poly polysaturated level, which is why some people stay in monogamous relationships. You can only handle one partner, you're the and the rest of your life, and that's fine. You have your one partner, you have work, school, you have everything. You are polysaturated at one. I currently have two partners. For the most part, kind of where I'm at in life, that is my polysaturation level. Some people can have four partners, some people can have five. That is so much complication that I couldn't even try. But it, it's going to be different for every person. And so there's my polysaturated level, and then my partner's polysaturated level is also going to be different as well. So that's where, again, the communication comes into effect. Another context contextual reference here. How many of you are in a relationship and you're, you're at some point where go, wait, I have to have me time? Me time that, is so important, y'all. So now you have three me's, four me's, all with that time management issue. So it's a, just a more complex extension of a monogamous relationship. Because there are polyamorous couples and triads and lines that are not monogamous amongst their group. So in other words, they may be playing outside their group and we'll probably be talking about the very two important terms, informed consent, mm -hmm. and I'll remember the other one here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this question asks, how did you come to knowing and understanding that uh, this type of love was right for you? And then there's sort of a follow-up. What is the most important and uplifting thing that you have learned about yourself during this sort of process? I learned about it after I had been cheated on. Yeah. Um, my now ex-wife cheated on me three separate times. I caught her with three different guys and I was willing to work through it, but she was not. Um, she wound up leaving. And, you know, that's, that's cool. That's her choice. I found out that I have a capacity for it with the woman I'm with now. Um, when I met her, I was dating another girl, and I'd never heard of polyamory. We went to a swingers meet and greet, which, if you don't know about swinging, it is different than polyamory. Swinging is based around the sex. Polyamory is based around the emotional connections. Uh, they they do wind up happening in each style of relationship, but one is more centric toward the other. Anyway, uh, I met her at a swingers meet and greet and discovered that I am absolutely not a swinger. Um, I fell in love with her that night, and <laughs> we started dating about uh, four months later. Her husband, he gave me full consent. He knowingly met me one-on-one. -on -one. I asked him flat out, are you okay with me seeing your wife? Are you okay with me having a relationship with her? And he, he felt like it was the most natural thing in the world. I made her happy. He makes her happy. 
We both know about each other. We both absolutely adore each other. We don't have a, a sexual relationship. We, we are emotionally connected, and we have her. But we're not threatened by each other. That is the, the most incredible thing I've discovered about this lifestyle, that you don't have to be threatened by somebody else potentially having a relationship with your partner. That you can have a loving, committed, connected relationship with somebody, and they can have a loving, committed, connected relationship with somebody else without taking away from me. I can have one with her. We don't. <laughs> but I could have one with her without it taking away from my relationship with my love. The human heart has incredible capacity if you let it open up. Does he have veto power? Yes. Yes, he does. So what we drew up here, our relationship styles, I'm on the end of a line. Okay? Uh, the relationships up top are ex-girlfriends of mine. The first one on the, on the left is the one that I met her dating. We lasted a whole six or eight months before her jealousy got in the way. And she said, well, it's me or her. Ultimatums are an absolute uh, red for me. So I said, okay, it's her. Um, so she split. Uh, she and I dated another girl for about eight months. And it was great. But it was just for a time. She split. She's now married, has uh, three kids, and is absolutely loving her life. We're still friends with her. Her husband had two other relationships that ended in an explosion, a community explosion that ripped our community in half. Uh, several people followed this one. Um, the others stayed with him. And it's come out that uh, one of those two was lying about a lot of stuff. He's also got his girlfriend. And they've been in a committed relationship now for about two years. She is substantially younger than all of us. They are both substantially older than me. In the end, as they're married, they've got what's called veto power. They established it when we first got together that if at any time either one of them says... That's enough. I can't take any more. We're pulling the plug. Then I don't have a relationship with her. He doesn't have a relationship with her. They focus on their relationship. But it's established that way because they are married. They have a legal binding between the two of them that they have to put forward before anybody else. And I respect that. Not every couple will have this. Um, no. In my relationship, I do not have veto power. I have every single power to go to him and be like, this makes me extremely uncomfortable, I don't like it, whatever. But I do not have veto power. Um, I think the closest thing we have is that at the very beginning, whenever we first meet a person and like, hey, I want to be part of this, if they make one of us uncomfortable, at that point we can say no, and the other person will respect it, but we do not have that kind of veto power. That is going to be up to the individual. Um, so that will be something a little more unique, depending on your boundaries and rules that you put, which boundaries and rules do completely happen in poly, it'll be different for every single person in every single relationship. Um, back to the original question, how I got into this lifestyle, I came into it for sex. Straight up. Um, me and my husband, whenever we first got together, we were very dedicated to monogamy. We knew about polyamorous relationships, knew it wasn't for us. We were very dedicated to just, just being the two of us. But we enjoy threesomes, full honesty. It's just what we enjoy. They're fun. 
So we went out um, and was seeking more of a friends with benefits type situation. And in that, we met a wonderful person <coughs> who the friendship grew. It just slowly was getting more and more, and it became more than about just the physical. That emotional started to come into contact. And we had friends in the polyamorous lifestyle. We knew people. Um, at that time, I knew Greedy, so I knew that this could be a thing. It was just finally one night we kind of sat down, you know, he knew I had feelings for her. We kind of we talked about it multiple times. It was just, when can we finally say that we are Polly? When can I finally say that she is my girlfriend? We're acting like it already. When can we can we just push this through? Um, and we had finally decided that the time was right and we can do the thing. Um, and then we really haven't looked back since then. There's been multiple times where we've actually been back to just the two of us after breaking up with people and still have the conversation of, is this something we still want to do? Do we want to keep it to just the two of us? And at this point, it's now just part of our lives, part of who we are. Um, I can't take back the fact <coughs> that when I walk down the street, if I see someone attractive, I tell him. We'll rank people. We'll walk through the mall and we'll totally just start ranking, ranking people. It happens all the time. Uh, he'll hit on the waitress at the restaurant. It's hilarious because she'll look at me all freaked out. The looks are great, I love it. But that's just our lives. Um, the, I think the most impactful thing I've realized coming into this life is that even though I'm a very jealous and insecure person, even though I have depression and anxiety and I have fears up to the roof, I can still be loved. And it's not by just him. It's not that he's broken and can't love me. I can have people love me. I can have these different dynamics and I can give that love back and give that time back. So having that realization that even though I am a very damaged person, love still happens, relationships still happens, and that's been a wonderful realization for me. I came to Nova uh, Polyamorous Lifestyle first through some stuff on the internet, and then I read The Ethical Slut by um, Janet Harding and Dossie Easton. Right. They ran two chapters from that first. Okay. So they're saying what um, <laughs> I read the book long enough ago that it was Catherine Liss, not Janet Hardy, because she was still under the So, okay, you've, you've read from that, so you're familiar with, with their writings. Um, and I was in a monogamous relationship that had its own problems. Um, and this was where I, I both learned about polyamory and learned that polyamory won't fix existing problems in a relationship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we opened it up. Um, we explored relationships with other people. She found someone else, and that gave her the emotional safety net to finally end what was not going well for either of us. In retrospect, I'm glad she had the courage that I didn't at the time to end that relationship. Um, but coming out of that, I realized that I like knowing that I can love who I want to love without my love for another person restraining that. And there are people who I love and I will never stop loving just because I love someone else and it's disingenuous for me to try and pretend otherwise. And so that was leaving that relationship, I left knowing I was Polly and that was how I wanted to live my life with respect to future relationships. You made a valid point. It will not fix previous problems. Yeah. Uh, kind of referencing back to also what Greedy had brought up about his ex. Cheating and poly are two separate things. 
please do not take from this class of, oh, I can now go on the internet and just start hitting up people and that's totally okay. That is not, don't do that, that's not okay. The difference between what we do and cheating is the informed consent and the communication. My husband knows what I'm doing. I know what my husband is doing. I'm not going out and hitting on people randomly and he has no clue. He's not all of a sudden going to start banging a chick for the past six months and telling me later up down the line. That's not what's happening. I know that he's looking at people. I know that before the relationship even starts. We have that ability. We have that communication. And Polly had no way has fixed any of the issues that him and I had previously. <laughs> even after being Polly, there's been times where we've almost broken up with each other because of issues that we had with each other. It's not a magical band-aid. Just because now I can look at that hot chick or look at that hot guy walking down the street does not magically mean that all the issues in my relationship are gone. It does not mean I still need to go tell my husband I find this person attractive. I, that communication and that vulnerability still needs to be there. I'm not allowed to just go start macking on anyone, anyone I feel like. It's completely different. So please do not link those two things together. <laughs> and it also goes to, she, there's trust. Communication, trust, informed consent. Because just like regular relationships, I'm not going through my phone. Okay, if I was, yeah, no, 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 no. There are things, we still retain our privacy. Uh, again, it just grows larger than the two. Like threesome, foursome, fivesome. And like they said, it's not about sex. That may be part of the polyamorous relationship. That's not its foundation. Unless That's you're asexual, unless you're asexual, sex is part of any relationship. To think that you're this entire thing is about sex is a lie, though. Because unless you're asexual, sex is there. When yeah. you're with someone emotionally in a romantic relationship, sex is there unless you are asexual. So that doesn't automatically mean that that's all that this is about, though. Yes, I found my I find my girlfriend sexy as all get out. She's a beautiful woman. I love her for her heart. That is why I'm with her. If I wanted to have sex with her, I would have done it and been done with it. I'm in a relationship with her because of the emotional aspect. And polyamory exists in all communities. It's not exclusive to the heterosexual community. Mm -hmm. It exists in both the gay and lesbian communities, trans community, all of them. So another question that I believe you pretty much were asked in our last class, but remains <laughs> popular for this one. What are some stereotypes about polyamorous, really, polyamorous relationships? Um, and to what extent do you believe that these are true or false? We've talked a little bit about that, but give you some chance to explain. Orgies, it's that. true. <laughs> orgies, <laughs> orgies, <laughs> orgies, threesomes, foursomes, it's, it can happen. But do you have any idea how hard it is to plan an orgy? Oh <laughs> <laughs> and somebody snacks. always forgot the right guard. It's uh -huh. You gotta get snacks, you gotta get drinks, you have to make sure schedules link up, all of a sudden someone's baby to serve that out. It's complicated, y'all. Like, it's not the nice, pretty, romantic book that everyone thinks it Listen is. Listen to these guys living the poly dream. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I actually turn this around on the class? For sure. What are some stereotypes you've heard about poly? If anybody is... If anybody is interested in saying what it is, speak up. If you're not wanting to be recorded, write it down, pass it in, okay? But what are some stereotypes you've heard? They will not offend us, seriously. They can be as really? mean or cruel or wrong. We're honestly curious. We've heard pretty much all of them. We're just curious what you guys have heard. Stereotypes and assumptions, my quiet class. 
-hmm. into it. I didn't even really know like about it. So mm -hmm. Okay. I haven't really heard any. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, that's fair. For me, I've, I've heard that it was more of like a uh, incestual thing. Oh. Okay. Okay. I can wow. honestly say I have never had sex with my sister. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Incest. There's. Okay. Yeah, it does. It, it really does lead back to the. Cult I think that yeah, question. that does go to the polygamy. Um, as as far as uh, polygamy or polygyny, are, are you all familiar with those terms? Polygamy and polygyny. Yes. Okay, so the difference between them for people that don't know, polygamy is one man, multiple wives. Polygyny is one woman, multiple husbands. Those relationships, especially the ones built on a foundation of religion, are meant to imprison. They're meant to trap your spouses. Typically, they are set up arranged marriages between, let's, let's use uh, some of the cults up on the north end of the U.S., um, where... One man will be married to one woman, then to another woman, then to another woman, and they're, they're progressively getting younger. And ultimately, he'll wind up being married to an 11-year-old girl. And, and, and they, they all have his kids, and they all do his bidding. And the, the boys are generally ostracized from the community at a very young age. This is not polyamory. This is a cult. There is a huge difference in that there is first consent from all parties involved. Not just, well, my dad said that I have to marry you. No. If you cannot give informed consent of your own accord, that is not polyamory. Plus we have the freedom to leave. Yes. We always have the freedom to leave. That is part of consent. At any time, you can revoke your consent. So if she and I are in a relationship and she gets with him... And he and I butt heads, but neither of us are willing. Put up your dukes. <laughs> neither of us are willing to, you know, uh, rise above. Neither of us are willing to resolve our differences. We're at any time free to walk away, just the same as she is. Does that answer that? Yeah. When yeah. I, sometimes I hear incestuous used in a much more metaphorical term that. In a fairly small group of people, there's a lot of going from one person to another. And there's a certain amount of truth to that just because the polyamory community in a place like Bakersfield is small and all of us have tend to got, tended to get to know each other out of mutual friendship and support. Mm -hmm. So We have a community that we do work within, but it's not necessarily like these are the only people we can choose from. This is the only person right. I can do. It, it's generally these are the only people that know about poly and are aware enough to go into the lifestyle themselves. Um, so there's going to be that as well. And then I had a point and it's gone now. As for, as for uh, having relationships with everybody else involved in the relationship, hell no. Um, I'm, I'm on the very end of that line right there. And I've never had a relationship with him or with her or with her or with her. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're not obligated to have... <laughs> we're not obligated to have a connection with everybody involved. We're not obligated to do anything. Well, if if you do not consent to it, it doesn't happen. Now, it does also happen where there will be one woman with multiple male partners, yes. one man with multiple female partners. So, the polygamy and what was it on? Polygyny. Polygyny. Thank you. I never remember that one. 
Um, that does happen uh, just by looking at it. We call that's kind of what you can assume it is, but it's polyamory. It is still open consent. It is still aware. It's not with the same rules and constrictions and generally religious backing that those ideals have. There are there are some some groups in our community in the outlying poly communities that do have like a one penis policy. That's it's it's out of my realm. It's not something I want to be involved in. Because, again, that's limiting somebody from making their own decision. What that policy is, is that a man will be with a woman, and he is the only male that she is allowed to be with. She can have multiple other female partners, but he is the only man she can And be he with. can have other women. Yeah, he, and he can have other but women. But she's limited to what her choices are. And I, I personally believe that uh, denies her the opportunity to give full consent. Now, most of the time, from the people I've met, they've talked about it at length, and she accepted that this is part of his rules and boundaries, which, again, is also the difference. That's, again, she a has, form of consent. Yeah. If, if she is accepting, if she is willing to say, okay, yes, that makes sense to me, let's do that. If she's not being coerced into it, that's consent. You wouldn't ask your best friend, well, you may have, actually, <laughs> but your Maybe. best friend, oh, no, you can't be friends with so-and-so. You're limiting their consent to who they have relationships with. And, and again, contextually, when you look at it like that in your group of friends and how you would react because you don't get along with X, so the, the best friend isn't allowed to have that person X as a friend, but they say, no, I'm going to be their friend, and you have to make that decision as to whether they're going to still remain your best friend. So now, I know we have one panelist who is in a long-distance relationship and has said as much, but if anyone else has ever been in a long-distance relationship, feel free to ask. But what are the most difficult things about long-distance polyamorous relationships, and what do you see as the easiest things? So I guess sort of the pros and the cons of long-distance polyamorous relationships is what's being asked. Um, the cons are... the. When you want to be with a person physically, not just like sexually, but actually be in their presence and look into their eyes and touch their hand, that's something you have to wait months to actually get to do. Um, there's, there's just not the same connection, even if you have like a video conferencing set up, you can you can see them, but you can't see them in the same way. There's something about actually getting a person right in front of you that's that's more than that. Um, and that is, it's alleviated some, especially for them, because they're both married. They get to go home to their partners each night and be in person. And so there's a certain amount of, of jealousy there, which I, of course, discuss with them. But I'm also fully aware that I am a secondary partner in their relationships. That their primary relationship is with their husband. And that by necessity, if nothing else, I'm lower on the totem pole, sort of. The easiest thing would have to be there's a lot less constraints on time, which in a poly relationship is a very precious commodity. I still have to, of course, spend time talking with them and texting with them and whatnot, but there's no such thing as a date night when you can't go anywhere on a date. And <clears throat> as 
I'm sure they can speak from experience. Scheduling time with people in person is a huge, huge concern. And it's lessened when you can't spend time in person with someone. That actually brings up a really, really great point. Uh, something that you all can put into practice. Google Calendars is a lifesaver. <laughs> if you have multiple people that are involved in your life, be it in a sexual, emotional, or just a friends and family term, if you want to plan things out with them, link up with them on Google Calendars. You can share your respective calendars and say, hey, no, I'm busy. I've got this. Can we do it another date? If, if you're a little, little, little communication skill that it took me a lot of years to figure out, if you're disagreeing about where you want to go, let's say she says, hey, let's go out for pizza. If I say, no, I don't, I don't want to do pizza, it's my obligation to give two other alternatives so that she can say, oh yeah, hey, let's do that. If she says no to both, it's her obligation to give alternatives to that. <laughs> but this, this is open dialogue that makes for a healthy relationship. I'm opening, uh, adopting that with my partner. We always fight about it. Yeah. So thank you. Do it. Uh, one thing that was one thing that was mentioned. Well, I think we've discussed it a couple times now. Is primary and secondary relationships. Um, poly Polly looks different for multiple people. For myself and my husband, I've been with him almost six years. We are a primary relationship. We've only been with our girlfriend since June she's not as high up on the ladder. She's not any less important. She's not any less committed. She's not any less serious. But that relationship hasn't been there nearly as long. In my heart and in my time and in my mind, it's it's just not as high up there. Uh, she's, you know, higher than friends. She's higher than some other people, but she's not as high as him. Now, not everyone does it this way. My ex was very everyone's equal. Even bringing in a new partner right away, in her mind, everyone was equal. Equal, and that's how she worked, and that was okay. That was how she worked. Uh, it's not how I work. It's one of the reasons we're no longer together. But for her, that's how she worked. I've met many poly people who do the equal thing, and many people who do the primary secondary thing. It's going to be different for everyone. I've noticed with some of the more married couples the primary secondary is a little bit more common the more equal is the people who tend to have a little bit more partners and are a little more laid back and free going so that's what i've noticed that's not always necessarily the one true way so i, I know east coast we're starting to see quite a bit of younger somethings not get married and multiple partners and they know about it polyamory because that's and they're not doing it because they were looking for the polyamorous lifestyle they were doing it because that's just the way life is running now in how busy they are and the and the schedules again we're in california and to read about it was amazing to see it was a, it was a shock it, it was uh i know Harvard's done some studies on swing and polyamory, and there's a lot of literature out there. And one of the, the concepts they say is really keep going back to that friendship model. Think of friendship, now add the relationship part of it, and all the things that complicate your friendships complicate polyamory. Awesome. Okay, 
Okay, so um, what social or legal changes would you recommend regarding polyamorous relationships in our society? Yeah, you cannot legalize or you cannot legislate morality. Okay, this notion that I can make a law to change your mind about LGBTQ, polyamory, swinging, monogamy, marriage, divorce, can't happen. So I, I like the legal question, but it's more about the social question. It's about understanding, and remember this, my kink's not your kink, your kink's not my kink, it's okay. I'm okay, you're okay. We don't have to have commonality on, on kink, but you can't judge me either. Because you know what you're doing with that teddy bear is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, oh my God. social. It's really about the, the social changes. Every muted group um, if somebody reading calm, you know, muted group theory, every muted group, they, we want legal, we want laws to be changed, but we also know it, it really has to come from within inside and education, education. I think last semester this question was asked actually at the panel, um, and a woman that was here had a great example for it. Um, back in the mid-1900s, you know, even the beginning 1900s, Blacks and white people could not be together. It was illegal. And eventually in the mid-1900s is when that finally changed. But the stigma was still there. The shame was still there. So even though it was legal, especially even in certain, you know, certain states would do it, but others wouldn't, that stigma and stereotype and hate was still there. It's not, I think, until what, the 80s, 90s or so is when it finally started to get actually accepted and people backed off. Only recently, within the past five years, has gay marriage, has that been legalized? And there's still a stigma there. People still are getting shamed about it. It's less, but people are still getting shamed about it. So it would be wonderful if the legal could change, but the legal's not gonna change some people's minds. It's not gonna change something. I still don't think, even if I could legally marry a secondary, a second partner, I don't think I could then go to work and boast about it or invite people to my wedding. It just wouldn't happen. I I think a legal change that would help would be some legal restriction on how morality clauses can be worded. Yes. Because I think both of you have morality clauses in your work agreement, mm -hmm. which forces you to be completely closeted in your work environment. Yes. So the people in their work environment never get to see what a healthy polyamorous relationship looks like because they've got to keep it hidden. Mm -hmm. If the law protected them so that they could be out and visible, then I think that would go a long way to helping the social issue of people who don't understand what polyamory is and have the st various stigmas attached to it. The, another thing that actually goes in with what they're saying is the stigma that's attached by all of the reality television shows about uh, having multiple <coughs> spouses. They only ever show you the absolutely disgusting... Drugs. Yeah, yeah. They, they show you the horror of it. They don't show you what what, uh. and it's not just reality shows. We and, and if again if call major, uh, our television is now driven by ads, our news cycles, 
everything who's first you have to you you have you have to start reading peer-reviewed articles mm-hmm. plain and simple I question things if it pops up on Facebook and I hear my girlfriend hey did you hear so-and-so did this really could you google that please let's yeah. check Oh, look at it. It's on Snopes. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> or how many society. times has John Denver died since he died? <laughs> <laughs> we as a society are fascinated with the horror stories. We all love them. I mean, you know, yeah. serial killer documentaries are my True jam. Name, right? Mm-hmm. right? Like, oh. that is what we love. The negative means that that's all you're seeing. What's well, a? it's a human thing to want to view conflict and... And drama. There's not a whole lot of interest in watching a show about a relationship with no challenges, and that's perfect. That's a really boring program that's going to get canceled after a season. How many sitcoms are not centered about around lies? Yeah. Oh, and there's miscommunication. miscommunication. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially right, uh, romantic partners, and mm-hmm. so much. I challenge you to find silence. one. Yeah. It won't happen. They know I love TV in this class, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, what does it mean to practice safe sex in your relationships? Oh. Uh, so, testing. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Sex, yeah. Frequent testing. All, all three, or all four of us, uh, get tested at least every six months. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have open dialogue about all of our partners, both existing and potential. Um, if we're going to bring another partner in, they must have a complete panel and a complete follow-up panel to verify that there is nothing that they're going to bring into our group. So while we do where we do we do use birth control, we do we do value not adding children that if she if my if my love were to uh, come up pregnant, that could be devastating. Uh, they 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 didn't have they didn't plan on having any more kids you know I don't plan on having any more kids she on the end doesn't plan on having any kids so you have to have that talk you have to have that conversation with everybody involved um, you have to know that everybody is honoring their word that they're not going off and sleeping with John Q whoever the hell that they're not having illicit affairs behind behind your backs if you have that trust then you're, you're going to have a healthy relationship. If you don't, then you're risking not only your health, not only your partner's health, but the health of all partners attached. And had I younger and not in a monogamous relationship, had I just been starting out and prep had been available to me, I probably would have taken it. Mm-hmm. Just because there's no 100% guarantee, no matter how much you trust. Mm-hmm. And I was also paramedic 17 years, so my exposure was. Through the roof. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely STD panels. Um, I'm the same way. We I try to get mine done every six months. Uh, I don't think I even had a new partner for six months. I think it was still just me and my husband at the time. And I still got an STD panel. One, because sometimes it takes time for your body to even show it on tests. And two, just to keep that habit, to keep that up. And if I got a new partner, I want to be able to show. I just got tested last month. I'm clean. What does your paperwork say? So... I'm con- yeah, I usually go every six months. The only reason I usually get it sooner than that is if I do end up getting a new partner and shortly thereafter I want to get a sec- yet another partner, I'll get a testing in between the two just to prove that I was 
as safe as possible. I do require my partners to get STD testings as well, but sometimes people will lie or hormones get a little crazy. So I'll take the word of someone over something else, which shouldn't happen, but it happens. So I'll keep, keep tested. He keeps tested. I know she gets tested as well. So the testing um, up until recently, the entire relationship, I didn't, we didn't get married until May, May, up until May of this year. Uh, we were, me, me and my husband were using condoms the entire time, the entire time. So, I mean. And when you get HIV tested, you must ask for all those other tests. Yes. Mm -hmm. This yes. is something you have to have a discussion. In fact, I believe testing is available here on campus through the health center and it's free. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Um, do it. <laughs> I do. But you do have to ask for it. A lot of doctors nowadays won't even tell. And my doctor patients. wasn't checking all the boxes. Mm -hmm. I, I asked because I, I get tested blood tests for type 2 diabetes every three months when I go in to have my labs done. And I said, okay, HIV and full panel. And I looked at the thing as I went over to the lab and I'm like, no, I want hep, hepatitis uh, B, C. I want them all. Well, it costs me, not gonna lie, but it, you just do it and you get into that habit and it becomes second nature and then you don't realize that you, it was food exposure and that's how you got hep C. Yeah. Um, I think so, there's such yeah. a stigma on testing is that people are still, you know, oh, you have an STD, that's dirty, that's gross, whatever it is. And so you're afraid to get tested yourself because even though you're clean, you're afraid to get that testing for seeing that, you know, even just because you're getting tested, you're gonna, you're afraid someone's going to call you dirty. I am not dirty. I had I a doctor safe. question me. Yeah. yeah, it was like, are you having homosexual contacts? And I'm like, no, is it any of your business if I was? I want to be tested for A, B, C, and D. Yeah, my doctor was like, do you, have you been having symptoms for anything? I'm like, no, I haven't had symptoms for anything. I just want to get tested to be safe. Simple. Yeah. They and my doctor still was like, are you sure? So you want to do it? It'll cost you. Like they fought me on it, which is absolute bull, but it is what it is. There's still, even with doctors, there's that stigma that it's dirty. I am a clean person. I am not disgusting and dirty. I am safe. But here you can get screened for free. So take advantage of your free use of the health center. I miss and the I student health free. center very much. <laughs> yeah, students yeah, and yeah, as, as a former right. CSUB yes. student, I made a great amount of use of that, not just for, uh, but Not we do get a testing. great alumni deal on the rec center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I should uh, look into that. <laughs> no. Um, also, the health center provides counseling services at uh, very inexpensively too. Uh, a reminder for everyone that it's a very valuable service that, if at all you need, you should take advantage of. Be careful. Some counselors think that think that being poly is terrible as well. Yeah. Um, I've had, we've, I've had talked to counselors who think that being polyamorous is unhealthy. The very first session I have, because I am in therapy, I am depressed, I have these things. The very first session I've had with any therapist is I sit down and I tell them, I am polyamorous and I am into BDSM. If you cannot accept that, that's fine. I will find another therapist. It is not unhealthy. This is what my life is. This is what I'm going to continue doing. You need to be able to counsel me on that. And if they're not okay with it, that's fine. I move on. Mm -hmm. You gotta be upfront with your doctors, just as an aside. Be like, I want this, I want this, I want this, I'm paying for it today, get it done. Yeah, you're in control <laughs> of your health, not the doctor. Exactly. Um, as a paramedic, we used to make this joke. Doctor has a license to practice and they'll keep practicing until they get it right. A nurse <laughs> and a paramedic have a license that says you screw up once, we take your license. Yeah. So they always get it right. <laughs> Especially if you're in the nursing program. We have lots right. of nursing programs. 
Awesome. Happy to be here. Okay, so I have here, which I think is um, an interesting question. Yay. What is something that you would want to tell your past self, teenage, early 20s, oh, otherwise, yeah. right? Um, depending right on when you began your podcast. We don't have enough time. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> time <laughs> for that one. I know, maybe our last question. Um, about uh, who you are today and who you have become and wow. what these relationships have brought, have brought to your life. I don't actually think I, I, I've had I've had this question before, and the weirdest thing is I don't actually think I would go back and tell myself anything. I need to take those steps. I needed to go through that pain. I needed to go through those hard times mm-hmm. because without that, I wouldn't be me. If I had the hope of knowing that it gets to this point, I would not have taken those steps. I wouldn't have gone through those pain, and I am who I am because of that. Um, I'm very thankful for my partners. I'm thankful right now. My life is still crazy. I face. I still deal with depression and other issues and body image and insecurities I still deal with all of that so to go back and tell myself hey you still got all these issues but guess what you at least have a hot chick in your bed now (laughs) that's not going to change anything and as much as there was a lot of pain um raising the four kids by myself and and things like that being alone for a long time Mm -hmm. the only thing I would jokingly oh I'd tell a lot right (laughs) but reality I would just tell myself, you will be happy someday. Um, In a very general sense, I would probably say to myself that your idea of romantic love is not... The the version of me after I read The Ethical Slut is okay. The version of me in high school, which had a very black and white moralistic view of romance and relationships, I want to tell him to chill out. he <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I I had a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, ha- I had a lot of negative thoughts about people who weren't on a very straight and narrow relationship path, and now I'm on a very not straight and narrow relationship path, and I want to go back and just sort of go, no, dummy, that's not how it works. Um, I think we all have those things we want to yeah. say to ourselves. Yeah. Right? Meeting friends like this, though it's not the lifestyle I chose, and members of the LGBTQ community, and becoming their friends, and I mean close relationships, is what changed my personal view. No law, no, no book about morality. It, it was getting to know people. I think if I were to go back and tell myself anything, it would be fate favors the bold. Don't be afraid. Well, you can fear, but don't let it conquer you. Step up. If you're afraid to say something, that's exactly when you need to say it. If you're afraid that, well, what I'm about to tell you, Lynn, is going to be absolutely devastating, so I'm just going to going to wheel myself over here and not say a word that lets it build that makes it worse whoever it is that you're involved with is going to have a hell of a lot more respect for you if you pony up and tell them hey this happened hey I feel this but if you let it linger for weeks months years they're not only going to be hurt by the fact that 
okay, well, that, that kind of hurts me personally. They're also going to be hurt by the fact that, why didn't you tell me? What's made you keep that bundled up for so very long? I mean, if they don't respect you for telling them right away, that's okay. You'll respect yourself. Yeah. You were honest. You don't need to carry. There's enough baggage and damaging things that happens in our lives. So you don't need to add that to yourself. Fate favors the bold. All right, students, I have your question cards, but I know that there were some I didn't get. Are there any questions that you want to ask our panel? This is my quiet class. <laughs> it's like they are a lot Yo. quieter. Yeah, for sure. So... Do you guys ever make the step to all move in together, or is that just like always separate? <laughs> so with my um, with my my most recent ex, we actually did live together for a while. Um, we just it it definitely sucked whenever you're in love with someone to tell them goodbye every night. It's kind of like that you know that standard step of when you're in a relationship long enough, you eventually do take that step. So eventually, so eventually, we all took that step, and the three of us, me, my husband, and her, we all moved in together. That was a very complicated thing. That went very, 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 very crazy, very quickly. I'm not saying that that would happen every time. It's just in that circumstance it did. I think if I ever took that step again, it would be a terrifying step that would take much, much communication and years to eventually get there. I've heard of many poly couples that do all live together. There's one that I know that's another triad Three of them live together and are very much in love and very happy and it's a beautiful thing and I am so jealous of it because it's wonderful seeing them. There are some couples that just stay separate because that's what works for them. So, I have occasionally thought of moving to Ohio and moving in with C, but Don't you Ohio, Ohio, <laughs> Ohio winters suck. And I think if I had to live with C's husband, I'd eventually have to kill him. He's great as an okay as a friend, but I think if we had to share space, there would be blood. So, so that's not really going to work for us as, a, as an option. And then I think I saw someone over here. Yeah, I was just gonna. This is that I had a question on the card over there where it was explaining like, um, how does the sex work? Because like I know you said threesomes, but like for me in my mind, I figured like you guys would take turns or something like that. Okay, so um. sex is org I mean sex is organic. It's gonna happen naturally, however it happens. So yes, there will be threesomes. That actually happens less often than people think it would. Just it just does happen less often. A lot of the times, it's very individual. Me with my husband me with the other partner, whoever it is, unless we're all like, hey, yeah, we're all going to do the thing together. We're all spending time. We're all, let's do this. So there's no, like, one way it happens. It's whatever naturally flows at that time is what happens. It's hard enough to schedule for a couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. I, even though I may be thinking about it this morning, <laughs> 9 o'clock rolls around. I'm, I'm, now, mind you, my youngest is 23. There ain't none in the house. Yes! <laughs> Anymore. Um, so, yeah, but life gets in the way. So now, again, go that, you and your best friend plan on something, and now try to plan it with another two friends, and somebody can't make it. Yeah. yeah. Google and calendars is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> and they're logistically challenging in ways that, don't get presented in the fantastic views of them we get from pornography and tell-all stories and stuff. There's, there's a lot of 
I I got spent. I don't have any more energy, but both of you still do. Um, or you know, there's. Yeah, that's not even a yeah, ten minutes of porn took or eight hours to film. We yeah. only we <laughs> only have a queen size bed, which is more than enough for most two pe- person parties. But oh, someone's no. falling out of the bed, and uh, <laughs> in a, if there's more than two in the bed, I, it, yeah, that's not even a poly thing. That's just you got to figure out however sex works for you is however sex works yeah. for you, and yeah. have fun with that. Other questions? I saw hands. I keep mine in the Okay. That's, that's a different class. No oh, that's right. Anything our panelists would like to sort of add at the end? No pressure. If, so, you, <laughs> if, if you feel like poly is a viable option for you, don't rush. Do not run headlong into it. Take your time. Feel it out. See if it is something that works. If you don't, cool. Be and, you. And if you feel... Any lifestyle choice that you're making is not accepted by society. There's someone out there like yourself that will listen to you mm-hmm. and talk to you in a group. Yep. And they Best wrote it up here <laughs> and the Gmail. At Gmail. And because Gotham Press does not just cover this as a topic there's many other topics that serve the community and a bunch of geeky stuff too yeah. so, you, so you all know I'm, I'm going to out myself to you right now okay um, I am like I am head deep in alternative lifestyle <laughs> I facilitate uh, dungeon play I I facilitate poly groups I make I make stuff happen at my own expense Okay, if you have any questions about it, right there, shoot us an email. Okay, if you want it aired on the on the uh, podcast, we'll do that. We'll chat about it. If you don't, say hey, this is something we want to keep under wraps. But what about this? How do you feel about this? We'll talk to you. We won't berate you for your opinion, for your question, for your whatever. And we have resources available throughout the county and to yes, the do. north, south, east, and west counties. I can get you help yeah. anywhere in the United States. <laughs> I do want to reiterate one thing um, before we wrap this all up. Discretion. Okay. Uh, Dr. Deborah Jackson just stepped in. Uh, would, would you like to step up and say this? <laughs> um, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm uh, Dr. Jackson. I was supposed to teach this class. I don't know if you remember seeing my name when you first registered. I'm very sorry that I couldn't. I got a promotion. Woo! Um, Katie Hansen very kindly agreed to take over the class, and hopefully you've been having a rock and cool time talking about this stuff. I hope so. Yeah, yes. and I was very happy um, that she was willing to uh, incorporate today's panel into the class. Um, but one of the things I really wanted to ask of you is to keep in mind that the four individuals that are here today have um, very generously agreed to come and talk to you about something very, very private. Um, and, um, and it's also uh, um, not legalized, like polyamory is not legal. Um, many states have laws against bigamy, um, which means that some, life, some polyamorous lifestyle choices could uh, result in criminal investigation. 
Um, and so um, I strongly ask all of you to be very considerate and respectful of their privacy. Please don't, I mean, hopefully you haven't recorded, they've been recording, but hopefully <laughs> I told them not to record. Yeah, that you haven't recorded or videotaped, or when you see them in public, be like, hey, how's that threesome going, or whatever. Like, please don't do that. Regardless of whether you agree or disagree with the choices they've made, I hope that today you've been able to identify the ethical values and principles that underlie their decisions. Um, and have a greater appreciation for that, even if you ultimately disagree. So I just wanted to step in real quick and um, thank again Katie for agreeing to have the panel, thank the panelists for being willing to be here, and thank you for being respectful and um, respecting um, our panelists' privacy. Thanks. All right, let's applaud our Dr. Jackson, Professor Hansen, thank you very much for having us here today. Thank you. Hey kids, it's your old buddy Shock Doc saying thanks for listening to the Gotham Press Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. There'll be another exciting episode soon. Don't you miss it.